So. Sorry for making you miss uh, happy hour right now. <laughs> oh, uh, that's like, that's cute. I don't do happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to actually go to happy hour. You can actually just be drinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I am. Yeah, uh, well, I'm go. happy all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today we are joined by the ultra-talented, very accomplished writer, Miss uh, Amy Ratcliffe. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for being on our podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for those nice words. <laughs> well, of course. And so I just wanted to rattle off a couple of small, just very minor things that you've done uh, in your career. So you're a writer for uh, Star Wars blog, uh, the Star Wars Insider, which uh, I think for many years I was even a, a Yeah, I subscribe subscriber. to that, too. Yeah. Uh, the Nerdist, which we love The Nerdist, uh, Collider, I think even L.A. Times. Uh, uh, also, uh, I believe you you wrote for the Imagine Games Network, or IGN as we know it, and you have a very successful blog uh, called Geeks with Curves, which I have uh, read a few times. It's very, very good. And uh, the, I, the list just goes on and on and on. So... As I'm reading all these accomplishments, I'm actually sitting here going, like, why did you agree to do our podcast? <laughs> <I'm> just like, <laughs> um, so, uh, but you also you also have uh, a, a pretty successful uh, podcast called uh, Lattes with Leia, which actually I, I have listened to. Um, it's a sister podcast for Coffees with Kenobi, which again, a great podcast. Um, you have another one too. Is it full of Sith? I did, right? yeah. Actually, uh, stopped doing that one in December, but I did that for a couple of years. It's a oh. really fun show. Yeah, that's a really good show. Um, so, uh, congrats to you on a one year of uh, lattes with Leia. I know that happened earlier this year, um, and we, uh, our podcast as well. We just had our one year anniversary probably around the same time you did. Um, happy anniversary! Happy, happy, happy <laughs> podcast! podcast podcastiversary. <laughs> can we trademark that? We can coin that, right? It's yours. Darn it. Um, you are the writer. You are the writer. Nobody would believe us that we came up with it. Right. <laughs> they just like bleep that out. Yeah. Yeah. That's my secret. I just make up a lot of words. There you go. <laughs> that sounds like some other people in the in, like that are in front of the camera that just make up a lot of words now. Exactly. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, about our politicians? No, I'm not talking okay, politics on this show now, but <laughs> use your imagination. Um, so as, as, as you know, this is part of a, uh, a special podcast we're trying to do. Um, uh, it's it's uh, about celebrating women in media, and it'll be called uh, Chew on This Embraces Our Feminine Side. Um, so we're so happy to have you. Um, I, I just want to get into... Um, your background a little bit uh, for for everybody who didn't Facebook or LinkedIn or blog or website stalk you like we did to prep for this interview. <laughs> uh, just you know, give us a little bit of background, mostly about how you got started in the industry and if if you had any obstacles, early obstacles that you might have faced. Uh, sure, you know, I came into it pretty late in the game. As far as I'm sorry, my cat's in my lap, and she just yawned, and it was the cutest thing. That's okay. It's <laughs> distracting. It's very distracting, and now she's biting me, so now she's not going to be in my lap anymore. <laughs> Bye, Ahsoka. No, get down. Get oh, down. nice name. There you go. Yes. Oh, she's okay. got she's got nerd cred, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, cats. What right career? Uh, I wish my career involved cats. That would be fun. But no, I, you know, kind of took me until I was 28, 29 to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had a degree in business administration that I felt like it was one of those, like, I felt like I had a piece of, had to get a piece of paper. So that's what I got. <laughs> uh, so that hasn't, I guess it has been kind of useful as far as managing my time and, the, the business part of what mm. I do. But anyway, I have always enjoyed writing uh, essays. I, you know, I wrote some short stories back in high school, but once I got out of the phase where I had to do it, I just preferred to write essays about food or travel. Mm. And I tried to do a food and travel like blog and that just didn't feel right. <laughs> and then I just, at some point I'm like, wait, why don't you talk about, the nerdy things you love you yes. spend. I used to spend so much time like on live journal back in the day, uh, 
at this Battlestar Galactica like fan group like talking about theories and I'm like I just thought well let's take that idea and just do a blog just about whatever I want to talk about that happens to be like geeky or, or like crafts or nerd fashion and that's how Geek with Curves started and that's awesome. yeah yeah and I just did it for you know I did it for fun but I also did it with the intent of like hey I would like to do this more or get paid to do this so I tried to make my blog as professional I mean it's blogspot.com mm-hmm. so that countered against me probably but as far as <laughs> <laughs> writing with you know, proper spelling and grammar as best as I could and trying to present something polished that I didn't just, you know, slap, slap together in two minutes. Um, I tried to focus on doing that and also doing a variety of things. So I would do reviews or try to do interviews when I could at the beginning. It was with a lot of indie comics people, Mm -hmm. whoever I could get to talk to me, basically, just so I had a variety of kind of articles to build a portfolio of sorts. I, I think that's very important, especially to our listeners or anybody out there that wants to get in actually in any kind of uh, career is that do the very best work, like focus on the work and and not to toot our own horn or anything, but Vic and I, you know, we, we have pretty lofty goals, but we said, you know what, let's just put out a, a, the best product that we can and worry about that other stuff later. You know, like really just put really good quality product there that people would enjoy and that will, you know, that we're proud of and all that stuff. And then everything else will fall into place later. And that's kind of like what's been happening little by little. And so it sounds like for you, kind of the same thing. You just kind of put your head down, did the work, and then produce. I mean, I looked at your website. I, I was like, this looks really well done. It doesn't look like a like a website, like a normal blog. It looks really professional. It doesn't look like the Space Jam website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Well, thank um, you. I eventually, you know, kicked the blog spot to the curb and got a domain and tried to at least make it mm. tidy. I sadly don't write much on Geek with Curves anymore because it doesn't pay me and I don't have time. Um, which is, <laughs> right. That's unfortunate, right? I know, which is kind of mean that I'm like, oh, sorry. I know that's how I started, but now I'm leaving you behind. <laughs> that's a good It's a good problem to have. It yeah, is. A- <laughs> we want that problem. <laughs> um, so when you so you started getting recognized for your blog, is that is that how that came about? Um, getting hired to do, you know, bits uh, you know, articles here and there and then it just kind of blossomed. Exactly. I started you know, reaching out to people, or not reaching out, but just connecting to a lot of fellow nerds, so to speak, on Twitter. Uh, a lot of, that's who I specifically targeted when I started. It was targeted, that sounds so calculated, but I joined Twitter because I wanted to meet like-minded fans, specifically like-minded female fans. So I started following a lot of them, and uh, you know, one lady at the time ran a site called geekgirlsnetwork.com, and that's not around anymore. But I think through her, I met a guy at Newsarama, and that was my first writing work, I believe, that wasn't on my website, was at Newsarama recapping Clone Wars. Mm. And then my first paid writing gig was working with IGN. I did a review of, um, oh, yeah, Lifetime did, like, it's one of the, their kind of, like, what do they even call them? It's not behind the scenes. Like it's a cheesy biopic sort of thing that they did on JK <laughs> Rowling. Oh, that wow. was, it was terrible, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm trying to remember when it's 2017. I think that was like in 2011, the summer of 2011. Okay. That's not too, that's not that. That's like when, uh, I think the last Harry Potter movie came out. Was, that sounds uh, about was that right. Yeah. So, that was my first thing for IGN, and then it, yeah, I just kind of slowly built up relationships and picked things up from there and tried, to, especially in the beginning, you know, I still worked my day job because paying bills is very important. <laughs> and I worked, a, I don't want to think, like I worked a lot of hours for a very long time until I could build up enough freelance work to cover my bills. So I, how long have I been full-time freelance? Uh, it's been two I was just trying to remember this the other day because my anniversary <laughs> for that is in January. But I don't know if it's been two or three years. That's incredible, though, to actually do what you really love to do and it's paying the bills and you're enjoying yourself. You went on a freaking Disney cruise. I'm still very jealous about that. 
Yeah, so I have a lot of moments. That Disney Cruise is one of them. It's just like, what is my life, and how did how did I get to do this? I, it's just <laughs> super cool. Have uh, have you any obstacles that you faced being? Being a female in the the geek nerd culture has, has that, and that's that's kind of what we that's what we're trying to. I don't know if you've listened to any of our, our our episodes or anything, but there's a few episodes, and we actually have like diversity ratings and things like that. We try to include about we actually try to talk about inclusion. We try to talk about representation and all that stuff. So, you know, I feel like in the last what maybe five years, mm-hmm. we've we've started to get a lot of um, you know recognition out there about you know this is important you need to you need to include you need to represent um have being maybe before that has that that took place did you find any like obstacles or um any any time where you're just sitting there like i can't believe that this is actually happening where you know we both love nerd and geek stuff and i'm sitting here um having to deal with this crap there's definitely, you know, not so much in my career, but like anecdotally or at conventions, mm. for sure, I'd run into the, 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 the questions or, you know, like microaggressions, like people, like I'd be wearing like a, a D20 shirt or something <laughs> and somebody saying, oh, like you must be some nerds, like wet dream. And I'm like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> wow. Actually, I don't, that implies that I am wearing these things or, or buying these comic books. It was in a comic book shop, actually. That right. to to please someone else, just specifically to please a male, which I right, and and that's those ones are always kind of tricky, right? Because they think they're co- like the people who say that think they're complimenting you, and it's like that's not no, a they're, they're, no, they're basically sexualizing you, which is not. That's not. I mean, so I remember when her universe came out, and I was so happy because. You know, I was like, oh, cool. I finally get to buy, you know, my girlfriend or my wife something, you know, cool that I like, but they can wear it. And, you know, because they didn't have any like female type clothing in nerd and geek culture, at least not very much. And so when her universe came out, that was fantastic. You know, being able to uh, just like you would go into Victoria's Secret, you could actually go into like, you know, uh, Hot Topic and buy, you know, your girlfriend a, a, an R2-D2, you know, dress or something. Or you they know? could buy it themselves. Or they could buy them themselves. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that, absolutely. That too. A Hot Topic. Who knew? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can find just about had... every nerd franchise you can imagine there now. Yeah. I mean, you, in the beginning, you used, you used to have to wear a lot of eye black to get in there. <laughs> and like, yeah, like spikes on your on the collar. But yeah. see, Vic has two little girls, and I think for him, it's it's nice he can buy purchase things for his girls that he was never able to find before. Yeah, I was a little right. annoyed when I had when I you know I have two girls, and I was annoyed um, when I would go into a store and try to find something. I think my 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 first daughter's first nerd shirt was a boy's shirt. Yeah, it was a boy's uh, Marvel character or probably Star Wars or something like that. And it, yeah, it was it was kind of ridiculous. I went on on a Twitter rant about it that I couldn't find anything for my little girl. <laughs> they listened to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have been listening because that's where I used to have to shop for my shirts too. I'd have to try to get a small in men's or an extra large in boys, and neither quite fit right because they're not mm. made for me. So, and it's I think her universe is important because you know in my experience in the past, I guess she's been around. Uh, nine years? Mm-hmm. No, has it been that long? It's uh, been a while. It's been a while. Maybe seven or eight. But that kind of the trend in fashion is kind of for me been kind of congruent with the trends. And I mean, we're not there yet. Women in media, women in geekdom. It's mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, people react to Rogue One and they say. Another female lead? It's the I'm, last one had a female lead. Like that kind of. Mm-hmm. Right. There's still work to be done, yeah. but we are making progress. And I kind of. And fashion is one way in which you can track that people finally see. Like not only are women huge fans of sci-fi fantasy comics, they also spend the money on it. And I think we're learning that <sighs> women are. I, well, I think that's been a proven thing for a while is that women in the household are the ones who mostly control the budget or spend the money or whatever that statistic is that gets thrown around. But specifically when it comes to geek clothing, I think women are 
speaking from a personal experience with my, with my girl gang, we're willing to throw down dollars because for so long we didn't have a lot of options. Mm. That's, so, that's a very that's toys a too. Thing. I think toys are a major thing for me because I have two little girls. Um, DC has done a really great job with their uh, DC Superhero Girls. I think it's called. Yes, I um, love that. That's yeah. Yep, I have a few of those. Um, for I actually just bought her. Well, we our audience knows we record ahead of time, but I just <laughs> bought her. I just bought her some like DC Superhero Girl stuff for Batgirl because we went to go see Lego Batman last night. So uh, proudly, she was the only one dressed in somewhat cosplay. <laughs> nobody else was no boys was dressed in batman stuff she was the only one that went in the, awesome. she had gauntlets on and she had the uh she had the bat background mask on yeah that's so cool and that has been like a cool thing you know on the more positive side because i could definitely tell some more stories along the lines of people who question my cred uh when they don't question a man's cred or, or think that my rebel alliance tattoo that I got it because my boyfriend at the time wanted me to get it. Oh brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on the upshot, I think it is important for women in media in, in genre media or who are fans of things to, you know, show it, express it, be proud about it. Don't, don't hedge it because I meet little girls or at conventions or sometimes their parents will, write me, you know, tell me, like, kind of transcribe for them, like, and write me an email and tell me, you know, like, my little girl sees your work, and she, like, that helps her feel, like, cool about taking her Batman toy to school or wearing (laughs) her Star Wars shirt, and that's not to say that I'm doing anything, like, I don't mean to sound like I'm like, I am the best, I am making it okay for women, (laughs) like, I don't mean that, but I just, when I hear those stories, it's like, yes, the more of us who display this and and show that we you know we love the things we love and there's no shame in it and everybody is welcome in in all kinds of fandom it's just a positive message for for young impressionable minds uh absolutely it's been really fun so most most of your obstacles are are outside of the workplace you would say you know mostly at conventions or in person never like really inside the you know, inside the, the work workplace. area. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I've had really good experiences with, uh, you know, Nerdist, especially, you know, the, the managing editor there and the editor in chief are both women. They're oh, actually quite a balanced office as far as, as, as men and women. IGN has been terrific. I think, I, you know, I've had an issue that I won't get into a lot of detail with an editor where I did get harassed. Oh, wow. Which was not. Obviously not good for many reasons, so I guess that would have been a slight obstacle to think of it. I don't usually talk about that a lot, but right. But on the whole, I've had, you know, my my gender, I don't feel like has come into the picture about whether I get an assignment or not. That's good. Jump right on. Um, what about major influences? Um, you're, you're into basically everything that... Uh, we love, um, especially a Star Wars. So any major influences with, with your writing or somebody that you read one time and said, oh, look, crap, that's what I want to do? Yeah, there's a lot of people I, I admire. You know, I write a lot about television. That's for Nerdist and Mo Ryan, who I believe now works at Variety. The way she writes about TV and, and thinks about things. Like, I will read a lot of other people's, you know, reviews because not necessarily not for shows I write or I review for because I don't want to accidentally pick anything up because <laughs> yeah. that can always happen if it's in the back of your head. Right. But of other shows to kind of like, oh, that's how they're looking at this. And it kind of opens my eyes and makes my critical thinking stronger. And in the realm of Star Wars, I really admire Pablo Hidalgo. You know, he started yes. writing. Yeah, he started writing for, I think he wrote for West End Games back in, you know, the 80s and, and early 90s when that was the, the only Star Wars RPG in town. And and he's a, a fast forward many years later, and he's been at Lucasfilm for almost 20 years and is part of Story Group. Yeah, he's basically the Star Wars encyclopedia. Yeah, yes. like a human and totally a human encyclopedia, big time. Yes, and has contributed to encyclopedia-like books. um so i I, i've looked up to his writing for a while and i like what he does there's a new book out that i've got to skim through called 
this terrible. It's something about propaganda. I think it might be called propaganda, but it's kind of written from like an end universe perspective. So it's not like the reference books as much. Oh, and like so that kind of style of writing is is really interesting That's to really me. That's really interesting. Oh, and, yeah. So I try to find you know, and sometimes I'll just gravitate like on websites. I like a lot of stuff at IGN, not just because I work for them, but because they have a lot of different voices across there. There, I don't play a lot of games, but I'll still read some of those articles sometimes just for broadening horizon reasons, I guess, and to kind of get a sample of the different voices they have writing for them. So sometimes I'll center more on sites as, than, than people. Oh, right on. Um, so <clears throat> advice for someone that is wanting to break into, into your industry, what kind of advice would you give someone? Oh man, stick with it. <laughs> that's that's one. I think if you start out like with a blog or whatever you're doing, a blog, a podcast, that kind of thing, stick with mm-hmm. it and be consistent because when you flake, people notice. I notice when people, uh, this actually, you know, will be like, oh, I haven't written for like three weeks or they'll start a project and be like, I know I haven't updated this in five months, but oh. you know, like that kind of, it's like, and th- these are people who are also trying to have freelance careers and things. So I'm like, I don't know that I would publicly say you f- like, I would just maybe not mention it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Instead of calling attention to it. Exactly. Uh, you, you have to, you know, you have to, well, especially in that line of work, I suppose you need to be writing all the time. I mean, just, just keep it up, you know? Yes. And stick, I mean, it, who knows it, it, there's no, a to B on how long it'll take to get other gigs or if you'll get other gigs or if they'll pay. So I'm not a patient person. It's actually one of my worst traits, but um, if I can do it, if I can, if I can hang in and, and something I wish I would have told my, my younger self when I was doing this though, is I did work a ton of hours. I worked had a day job that was pretty demanding and I, and I, it's it's worth pushing yourself, mm-hmm. but do not be the person who's like, I haven't slept all week because I did so much work and I am awesome because of it. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to pat you on the back. No one's no. going to be like, good job. Uh, so don't, you know, don't push yourself to the point <laughs> of causing health problems or, or work-life balance problems because mm. that's not fun. But stick with it, work hard, you know, try to do as many different things as you can, even if you're not like comfortable or you don't know. For example, I started to get pulled into like doing red carpet interviews on camera. Sometimes I it's just, that. yeah, sometimes it's just my hand for IGN and sometimes it's full, full on camera, which is not, I'm getting better. <laughs> it's not a thing I'd ever like be like, yes, pick me. But <laughs> I try to say yes because it's always a learning experience and I also get to do you know meet people I admire that way or look up to and it just adds to your your toolbox of things you're capable of doing and especially if you want to get into media things are just changing so fast websites are figuring out what works for them whether it's articles or doing video versions of those articles to do the news or podcasts or whatever it is. So the more you can learn how to do, mm-hmm. just the better prepared you are to, you know, for whenever the opportunity comes along. Right. It's that's like what it's, it's about. Yeah, it is. And it's like everything else. I mean, the more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. I mean, no matter what you do in life, but it's just, you just got to keep it up, keep it up. And then you eventually you'll get to a place where it's just second hat, you know, and you get really good at it. Um, so, Okay. We're going to go into some uh, other type of different questions. Um, so again, this is about you know we want to keep keep this back coming back to uh, this is about uh, females in media and whatnot. And um, 
you know, recently, I think is what last year there was the the Ghostbusters controversy uh, with the all women cast and all that. And I'm just wondering, like, from your perspective, like, why do you think men sometimes are like they're okay with a woman being awesome in movies, but only as long as they don't ruin something that men men once ruled, <laughs> like you know, like Ghostbusters or or even Star Wars. You know, it's so frustrating and so hard for me to wrap my head around because it's why don't you want a world where men and women have equal opportunities and play equal kind of roles. But I think from the impression I get is that men sometimes have a sense of ownership because it was theirs and only theirs for so long that they think like with Ghostbusters, it feels like they think that having an all women team is going to completely erase that the other one ever happens. And um, that seems to be the mentality when it's like, this isn't taking away from the movie you loved whenever it came out 20, 25 years ago. Math is hard. That's why I'm a writer. (laughs) So let somebody else have this. I don't know how you can not see. There were so many pictures of cute cosplay going around of little girls dressed up as the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And sure, they could do that before. Absolutely. But now they're seeing themselves on the screen and themselves in the film. And that's hugely important at any age, but especially during your formative years. So how you could want to take that away, I, I, it's hard for me to understand, but I think part of it does come from that, like, hey, this was our thing, like, you're in our playground and girls have cooties and just go away. We, we have actually, we actually have a great story about Ghostbusters. We, uh, we gave away a pair of tickets uh, to the opening night for Ghostbusters and IMAX, and um, a, a mother won the tickets, but gave it to her her daughter and the husband to go see the movie and she maybe she was like 10 10 or 11 mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. she loved the movie and the first thing she says when she gets out of the movie is she turns to her dad and says i want to watch the original one. Oh, how cool so i mean you just you know the original go like you just grew your audience even more to, to the original version of it because before that movie she would have never Turned to her father or turned to anybody and said, "I want to watch the you know the first Ghostbusters." Yeah, now, it probably wouldn't have been on her radar. This, exactly. Now, now all of a sudden, she wants to watch the original. And see, that's what I think. It's another part of me that has my that makes me scratch my head. Is I think it's fun to you know to share things like that with with new audiences, especially kids. So. Yeah. It, Yes, that kind of, especially the Ghostbusters, it was a very strong anti-reaction from some groups, and it it was puzzling, to say the least, and, fru- and frustrating. Yeah, it got, uh, I think, the worst, re- was it the worst re- trailer review or something? Yeah, the most time. unliked, the most disliked, un- trailer. disliked trailer oh. of all time. Yeah, I I didn't not okay. My take, I mean, um, we reviewed it last year, but my take on the trailer was it was con- a little confusing because it said thirty years ago, you know, it, it kind of mishmashed thirty years ago with the newer one, but it's a reboot. But yet, I thought it was a continuation. Like it was kind of very confusing to me. But once the movie kind of came out and I went and saw it, I understood that it was a, just a complete reboot, but with four very talented and hilarious women in their own rights. And, you know, I, Vic really enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as he did, but I appreciated it. I really respected, you know, what they were trying to do. Yeah, and, Kate McKinnon became my new hero. Oh, yeah. For oh, sure. she was the, the breakout, I feel like, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And the same thing with Star Wars, too. Like, we were just actually, you know, this is how big of a nerds we are. We were just talking about Star Wars before you, you had... You know, come on, yeah, before you rang <laughs> in. And we were talking about Star Wars and how, like, ridiculous it was about how much training, or I forget the name, the terminology of it. Um, this is why I'm not a writer. Uh, that I, that they were calling, um, a character who just happens to just know everything like Ray did in, in The Force Awakens. No oh, training. Mary Sue. Mary yeah, Sue. That's yeah, that's right. She had no training. Right. But, but in the movie, if you just take the movie of The Force Awakens versus A New Hope, if you watch the beginning of that movie, who would you actually want to be fighting next to you? Because when you first meet Luke, he's kind of just whiny and just he's he's whiny. He's just whiny. Station. Yeah, and uh-huh. when you meet when you meet uh, Ray, she's a loner. She has to survive in that desert planet, and she beats the crap out of three guys on the planet. She proves that she can fight, right? 
mm-hmm. Luke, the the only fighting he really does hand to hand combat is he fights that like laser droid or the the training droid on the Falcon. Right. Right. Yeah. And then so so he he there's no reason for him to actually be any good at what he does because he actually has less of what she does. He, he, he has yes. no tra- he has no training. There's his no mentor- context. No, his mentor dies. And then he's on the ice planet, and then the next thing he does is pull the lightsaber out of the ground and, and cut a wampus well, off. Well, that's an empire, but even in... But, in, but even in, then, in, he had no training. But even in A New Hope, like, I mean, this I guess this is how desperate the rebels were. Like, hey, well, you, flew that's a, true. you flew a T-16 <laughs> hopper, which is like, hey, I drive a motorcycle, let me fly an F-14. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I had... I, I try not to get in arguments on Twitter very often because it's usually futile, but right. <laughs> I felt very strongly about the, like, you're calling Ray a Mary Sue, but yet you're not calling Luke or Anakin the same. Like, no. And I pointed out, somebody was like, yeah, but she was like an like ace the first time she got in the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, the first time Luke got an X-Wing, he blew up the biggest battle station. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, does not compute. And, and they, kept, they were trying, like, but he was trained by Obi-Wan. And at that point, I realized, oh, this is futile, and I gave right. up. Right? Yeah. Well, if he was fighting a room full of you know those training droids that fired one laser every five minutes, he would have survived. It would have <laughs> it would have made a lot of sense, you know. But flying an X wing in a, in a resistance, um, you know, when you compare it to you know the, I mean they they did it really subtly with with uh, Ray, but I guess not. I guess too subtle for the He-Man woman haters out there that <laughs> didn't like what they saw. And I, I thought like they showed her very resilient, um, whereas Luke he was really whiny. I mean, yeah. who do you want to fight next to? You know, the guy who doesn't want to like put in extra work, <laughs> or the one, or the girl who kicks ass. Hey, dude, Luke stood on his one hand and he lifted rocks. That's yeah, that was an empire. That was only stuff. three days of training. <laughs> we, we tried. We tried to figure out how many days of training. This is this is the nerd. Conver- this is the major nerd he conversation. He doesn't ever use his lightsaber. Yeah, ever except so, to cut a wampus head. So let me arm let me ask you it. this. Let me see. I don't want. I'm not. I want to say test your nerd cred, but have you ever thought about? How much training Luke actually goes through in Empire Strikes Back to fight Vader at the end of that movie? You know, I haven't tried to quantify it, but it can't be much. No, because think about think about the the time frame and what happens. Right, they're attacked on Hoth. Right, he breaks away from the Millennium Falcon to go to Dagobah. So, how long do you think that from the time that the Millennium Falcon is chased by the Star Destroyers? get into the asteroid field, and get into Bespin, what do you think, like three or four days tops? Oh, if that, yeah. Okay, so that's how much time frame that Luke has been training with Yoda at the same time. <laughs> and then if you think about that, it, like you were saying, like you didn't quantify, but we tried to, and we're thinking like, holy shit, Luke has only trained for four days and he thinks he can face Vader. <laughs> like, yeah, like, come on, dude. Like, that's... <laughs> Because he wasn't being super cocky, kid. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Han Solo told him not to be cocky. It's like that. It's like that six-year-old that like you let win in video games, and all of a sudden starts talking shit to you. I don't want to go compete in the worldwide tournament of whatever this is. And then reality sets in. But like, but think about if if you actually think about on screen time between the time that the the Falcon is uh, breaks breaks away from the Star Destroyers, and then they're captured by Vader on Bespin. It's not a lot of time no. at all, and that's about the same equivalent as Luke has been on Dagobah. So basically all he's had to do or all his training to face Vader in that movie is lift rocks, <laughs> carry Yoda, <laughs> carry Yoda, and... Uh, Fail at getting and, his X-Wing out. And doing, and doing front flips, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, whining, too. He whines again. He whines again on Dagobah. Now, how long yeah, does does. Force Awakens go through? Is like Force Awakens like a day, day and a half? Two days? She doesn't go through any training. No, what I'm saying is her progress. You see her progression, though. But you already see that she's a fighter at the beginning. Like right. you said, like it's yeah. established that she can handle herself. So- that's why people like also criticize like that she was able to get away from Kylo Ren, and it's like, well, we know she can handle herself with a melee weapon, and he was really super injured. So if he wouldn't yes. have been injured, no, that fight would not have gone well for Ray or Finn. It well, didn't go and, well for Finn. And he was yeah. a Sith Lord too. I mean, he he uh, he was trying to recruit her, so he's he's being cocky as well, arrogant. And it gave her time to kind of focus, you know, because as soon as she heard the word the Force, she remember Maz telling her something about you know, yeah, focus, focus on the Force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
Anyway, okay, enough of that. All right, that, that was our. That's what happens when we start start talking about Star Wars. Right? I, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Um, so, like I said, we, we, we try to do diversity inclusion, and, and, and in 2016, a lot of things happened, um, from the Oscars to the Oscars again, which most people don't know. I don't know if you know about the second time the Oscars screwed up, or it wasn't really the Oscars. The second time was Chris Rock. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when so the first time it was, yeah. why are the Oscars so white? And then Chris Rock thought it was funny to get people on board by making fun of Asian people, mm-hmm. which no. didn't sit too well with me. Um, and then... The ghost in the shell, the whitewashing of that, and then of course Doctor Strange, um, uh, with with doing with um, the ancient one with whitewashing the ancient one, which still didn't make sense. It actually made it worse when they tried to explain it the second time around, when the director came out and said the only way, like if we made it an Asian lady, we didn't want to make it like a dragon lady, quote unquote dragon lady. I'm like thinking in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wait, the only way you think a strong, powerful, smart. Asian woman is is the stereotypical dragon lady. That's the only way you see. Do you understand how racist you just sound even more now than before? So write it, write it the way. Just write it, write it like her. a normal person. Yeah. Just yes. don't do anything. So, but but my question is is in 2016, what what was the thing that stood out the most to you? Because these are all the things that we talked about about diversity last year. I was just trying to see like what stood out to you, where you're just sitting there thinking, I can't believe this is this is happening in 2016. Ghost in the Shell was one for sure. I oh, I don't want to make it. I'll, I won't go into that story. Ghost in the Shell <laughs> is, you is can, something we, we did. We did. We, we went, went. We went hardcore into, into it. it. Like, I, ha- I, I have a, a real problem with that movie, and I have a real problem with when I see usually usually not that I just mean dumpling white males, but it's usually white males who are like, oh, but. But Japanese people don't have a problem with her being, and I'm like, okay, maybe they don't. But you are not the person to say anything about it. So exactly. Just... <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a difference, and, and there's a weird, there's a thing that people don't understand when in America we're a melting pot, right? Like there's all kinds of cultures, all kinds of races, all kinds of religions in America, and that's why we're built the way we're built, and that's why we we're so successful. When you when you take the Japanese, you know, the Ghost in the Shell, or you take like the Wall, uh, the Great Wall. I think. Is oh. it the Wall or the Great the, Wall? The Great Wall, yeah. So well, that's the Matt Damon one, right? Y- yeah. 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 So yeah. in China or in Japan, they don't see a problem with that because their country is not built that way. So when they see Matt Damon in the movie or they see Scarlett Johansson, they're like, oh, well, that's just America's version of Ghost in the Shell, or that's just America's version of them saving the world again, <laughs> you know? Right. So, but when American audience see that, and like for me, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese. I grew up in, in America, born here. I, I was, I grew up in the melting pot. And when you see something like that in America and it's for both audiences, it doesn't work for both audiences. And I think people have a problem or people, I would say like, when it comes to whitewashing, white people have a problem with saying, like, well, the Japan Japanese people don't care about Ghost in the Shell. Why should we? Because in America, we have more than, one, you know, majority of more than one race. Right. And okay. I think that's the difference between the two is you can't say the Japanese don't care. They don't care because when they want to make a movie, they see Japanese people. When I see a movie here in America, I see white people. <laughs> you know, it's it's different. And then when there's so little Asian representation in movies and TV anyway, and then you go take Ghost in the Shell, one of the most known anime in the world, and then you put a white woman in it, it's it's makes it like, okay, what the hell? That was like well, one of the very few things that was like really that, popular. Yeah, we could have. Yeah. When it's like what Netflix, I think Iron Fist is a mistake. Um, uh, that's more yeah. like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Missed opportunity, yeah. That's what. Yeah. It wasn't really whitewashing. I mean, you have to know the history of the character of like what that person, what they were trying to do with that. Basically, you know, introducing Asian, quote unquote, Asian culture because this really wasn't really much Asian culture in there. But you know, bringing that into the to the Western world, they should have updated it. Yes. We have a friend over a at uh, yeah. We had a, we have a friend over at Heroic Girls who had a really good idea about it was to make him Asian, put him in this, put him in America, um, and then have his world fall apart where he has to go and learn about his background and then bring back the Iron Fist oh, to that's America. A great idea. It, it told, hello? It would have updated the character. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I, I, I got into it with, uh, with somebody recently on Facebook and just like you, you know, it, it never ends well or, you know, because they don't really ever change their mind, even if you present them with a shit ton of facts. Right. But, uh, they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm all about like, they claim like they're all about, you oh. know, inclusion and all that stuff. Yeah. And or I'm not sexist, but. Right, right, exactly. Right. Like I, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Right. You know? So, yeah. so what this person said was that you know I, I grew up loving Iron Fist and I wanted them to stay white. I'm like, okay, yeah, but you do realize what that character was supposed to be in the beginning. When you understand why that person, why that character was created, you can understand why it was a missed opportunity to update that character to make him Chinese or to make him Asian. Well, exactly, and he's not, I mean, is he, like, the most well-known character in the world? Like, it's not like they're messing with yeah. Superman right. or, you know, something like that. Although, I think I think in one version, well, no, that's the Hulk. The Hulk is Asian in, in one of the I, comics. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. We we love, uh, if you listen to our pocket, we love Edris Elba. We want him to play everything. We want him to be James Bond. We want him to be Batman. <laughs> I'm on board with that idea. <laughs> it was it was overplayed last James year. James Bond, more than anything, yeah. that guy, he's got like one of those voices, like a Sean Connery. You know, he's just got he's he's got a sexy voice. I'm going to admit it right now. Oh, he, Idris Elba has a very sexy voice with that with that <laughs> accent, and just imagine him just saying James Bond. I'm like, I'm going to see that movie. Yes, I would love to see him as Doctor Who. Oh, oh. That's a good one too. Why didn't we think of that? Because Peter Cabaldi just announced he's. Well, he's I think his star might be a little bit too big to. to well, be. you never know. An elegant doctor. I so uh, he would be. He would be an elegant doctor. He's just got that swagger too. Um, so besides this one, Amy, you've done a lot of interviews both on both sides of the microphone. But besides this one, what's the best interview you've <laughs> ever had? And, and that's whether you gave it or you had you were interviewed. And what was oh, your worst? Man. I don't know about worst. I can do it on first, but definitely the most amusing one. Okay. That went just off the rails as I interviewed Sebastian San and Anthony Mackey for Civil War. So which, jealous right now. Oh, so was, pissed. Oh, she's so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they were funny. It was a junket, so it's on camera. This can be viewed at Nerdist because they kept they left the whole thing as what well, as it is for some reason, for the most part. So Anthony Mackie is uh, just a wild card, and I guess Sebastian Stan is generally pretty quiet. So together, I, I, I don't know how, but they came together to form this Voltron of a uncontrollable. <laughs> So I was interviewing them, and then they asked, oh, they're like, you're with Nerdist. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Like, what are you a nerd about? And they're like, it's games? I'm like, ah, everybody's nerds for, like, for different things. Like, they're like, what are you nerdy about? And I'm like, Star Wars. And then one of them made a sports reference that I didn't understand because I don't, I don't watch sports. <laughs> and then that turned into them just like, it might have been Anthony Mackney saying, like, oh, that's, that's cute. When he was like, do you know this name or something? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking they're like talking another language so it just oh like gosh. was a derailed those are the best ones though but that was, are, but, but how many i listened to mackie's to... uh i listened to mackie's interview on the nerdist and that was really funny that was pretty funny he he's like that yeah I mean, but also they, they do like 200 interviews a day so like by yes. the time they get to you they're like oh we're gonna mess with this person yeah I always... <laughs> and i don't blame them it was at least it was entertaining but i was like well <laughs> So do you, do you find do you find it hard to actually like come up with interview questions? Because like, I always pictured like if we ever got the chance to actually interview, you know, like Robert Downey Jr., somebody like ridiculously famous, like a list, like holy shit, I can't believe you're sitting in front of me. Like I, I always pictured them like you know doing the press junket and you know hours and hours answering the same questions. I always wanted to come up with questions that were so far fetched or so ridiculous that that they got like entertained from that questions. Do you do the same thing when you're doing that or do they, does like the nerdist give you a set of questions that you have to ask? It depends. Like I, I tend to write my own questions, but sometimes we'll work on ones to put together like packages. So like when I did finding Dory, I asked every person, uh, you know, what, what do you find yourself forgetting the most off? Like what do you usually forget? So you can mm. cut together those, but sometimes it's easy. Junkets are hard because you have four or five minutes 
And if you get along, like John Favreau, I interviewed him for Jungle Book. Oh. Dude, it was wonderful, but dude gives long answers. So I had, yes. I was so excited. I had a whole note, like this whole index card filled with questions, and I asked two of them. <laughs> um, so <laughs> junkets are hard. I, you know, I have an easy time. I do a lot of like uh, ten minute phoners for TV stuff, mm. um, and they're targeted because it's usually like I'm they're promoting a specific episode or or twist or something. So those end up kind of being easy when you have a when the interview is formed around like some, you know, some impetus like a, a book or a new comic. So it's when I have longer that it can go then it's more challenging because if like I got a chance to interview Neil Gaiman and that ended up, it was a phoner and ended up being cut short. But at first I was supposed to have like 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we're going to cover the material we need to for this humble bundle. And then I get a talk. Like he's one of my writing, you know, somebody I very much look up to, but it got cut short, but it's like in school, you know, like when they give you a subject for a paper to write about, it's a little easier than like, pick anything. Pick anything. <laughs> pick, pick out of this whole like 20 year career and try to think of questions nobody else would ask him. You're like, okay, <laughs> will do. I'll be right back. I actually, yeah. I actually liked that in school because I hated the books that they gave us to read sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, I, at that point in time, I was a real nerd about sports. So, I mean, I still watch a lot of sports now, but um, I always picked like something to do with football. <laughs> nice. It's easy to do. Um, so, in in 2017, uh, what's the what's the movie you're looking forward to the most? We I'm like, oh wait, we do get a Star Wars movie every year. Sometimes <laughs> I for, I just keep forgetting. It's weird, I know it's right? a great it's a great day to be alive. It's a great uh, time to be alive. It is episode eight, but there oh, I'm totally spacing. There's something else I was just talking about being really. Um, hmm. Was it the was it the third Spurfs movie? Yes, <laughs> that was one thousand percent it. They're finally going to be in Smurfs Village, though. They're not yeah, going to be in I know. live action, so that's great. Maybe maybe um, Gargano gets to eat one of them finally. <laughs> I'd be into that. So let's just go episode eight's up there, obviously, but I can't remember what the other one was. Okay, so since you're in like the Star Wars world, you 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 get to go on the cruise. You get you're right for the blog. You're right for Star Wars Insider. Who the hell are Ray's parents? <laughs> if only I knew. <laughs> Have you we'll, all been? We'll seeing delete this the... part out. We'll delete this part out. Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Have you all been seeing? Uh, Josh Gad is working with Daisy Ridley on Murder on the Orient Express. Oh yeah, like Judy his... Dench. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's Judy Dench one too. <laughs> That's funny. So that fun. one's the best. But uh, I, I I do not know who Ray's parents were. All right, we'll have to get it out of Pablo if he if he ever agrees to interview with us. Yeah, Pablo, we tweet down in episode eight. Yeah, he's like going to tell us. I, I he's think like, he's he's pretty good about not sharing things. But you, I, I, I think that would be hard. Like I can't even imagine. He probably wouldn't even tell us the after opening weekend. No, <laughs> and even after we saw the movie, no. just on the outside chance we were lying that we actually did not see the movie. <laughs> well, here's a here's a hypothetical question. Here's a what if for you. What if um, what if George Lucas never broke away from the Directors Guild and like Steven Spielberg directed Return of the Jedi? How different would that movie be? Hmm. And I'm because, just picturing like a more adventurous style, you know, more more of a romp. Hmm. I don't know. That's what how I, I mean. There's a lot of other things Spielberg does, but I always feel like his movies have a bit of a like, like a romp adventure action feel to them. Not that Return of the Jedi doesn't. Do you think we'd still got the Ewoks if if Spielberg Sadly, directed? Probably would. Yeah, I mean, we did get the refrigerator scene in Indiana Jones, so. <laughs> We probably would have gotten Ewoks still. <laughs> I think about that scene and I was like, did I just make that up in my head or did that really? And I'm like, oh no, it happened. Oh no. It you talk about the refrigerator scene? Yeah. yeah. I think she's thinking about the whole movie. It happened. Yeah. The whole, yeah. The whole, the whole. <laughs> it did. This whole two and a half hours was not made up in my head. It actually happened. <laughs> it actually happened. He's actually swinging on vines with monkeys right now. <laughs> oh, I've never been able well I, I just have made it i'm like i don't probably need to watch that again i don't think i, I tried. think i'm good did you have that go 
<laughs> you still I tried. traumatized. I, I tried. I can't. I can't get there. So w- with my with my fiance, I I, um, I don't allow. I not that I don't allow. I just don't show her like episodes one through three don't exist. I don't show them to her. I don't. I've shown her the three Indiana Jones. I don't show her the fourth one. Um, and I don't let. I'm like, if you want to watch Transformers the movie, you watch the cartoon, not the Michael Bay one. Are you saving that for when she's like in trouble or something? I'm saving like, it when she pisses me off. And I'm just like, you watch this. Like, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, watch this. Watch that's Devastator's balls right there. Yeah. 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 What does it have to do with Transformers? Nothing. They just thought it was funny. Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, I can't stand Transformers. Um, so, Amy, we, uh, uh, thank you so much, by the way, for all this time that you're giving us. Um, before we go, there's a couple of things. Um, I want you to plug your work, plug your websites, plug away. Yeah, we have StarWars.com, Nerdist.com, Star Wars Insider. Is there, uh, is there anything that's coming up that, that are... Well, actually, by the time this releases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to keep the time frame in mind. Yeah, that's true. You know, you can find my stuff pretty irregularly at Nerdist.com and StarWars.com, and I'm starting to do some more things for IGN again that are related to, surprise, surprise, Star Wars. <laughs> and you mentioned Lattes with Leia. That podcast comes out every month, and I have such a fun time doing that with my... She, the pr- lady I co-host it with is just one of my best friends, and she's super <sighs> smart. Anyway, you can find that on the Coffee with Kenobi Network. Um, other than that, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. I'll be doing a Moana thing soon. Like I try to do like a lot of Instagram stories when I do events that can be fun. I did a Samurai Jack, Jack press day last week, which I'm so, I got it. Okay. That was one of my favorite recent interviews was Gindy Tartakovsky. Oh, yeah. I, I think so cool. So yeah. Keep up with me there. I try to post links to, most of my stories and trying to have everything else super cool coming up. Oh, I'm doing the Beauty and the Beast junket in a month, and I get interview get interview Alan Menken. He's going to be with a piano, and I'm probably going to cry. Nice. Can I come? Oddly <laughs> <laughs> well, enough, you were not the first person to ask that. Yeah. Oh darn it! <laughs> but I'm the first person you're going to say yes to, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think my boyfriend would kill me if I took somebody else. Oh god damn it! <laughs> But tell him we're in the industry together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell him I need it for our podcast. Um, so we, we, we do this thing. We Just like I said before, we always try to – I was always thinking about if I ever got to interview people, um, interesting people, I want to do something different. And this is what we came up with. It, we call it the big finish. And it's the – everybody gets the same questions. Um Depending on your answer, the follow-up question might vary, but uh, everybody gets the three same three main questions. This is a more fun version of the Charles inside Lipton. the Actors Lipton. Guild. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> it's a more What's nerdy version of that. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you your favorite curse word. Um, okay, so all-time favorite character. I would choose a fake one. It's okay. <laughs> Frack. No. You could curse on this one. Frack. We, we, that oh, that's it. a good one. That's a good one. Or uh, What's your all-time favorite character? Can be from any genre. Mm, all-time favorite. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. All-time. Oh, this is challenging. I'm looking at all the toys around me because one of them surely is going to make me. Because there are who who. It's too many to pick. Uh, Belle from Beauty Belle. and the Beast. Okay. Good. Uh, what kind of birthday gift would you get, Belle? A book. Duh. <laughs> How did you not see that coming? <laughs> well, he, did you see the size of library that she has? It's kind of like I think I already have it. Maybe I would get her an Amazon gift certificate. Oh, there you go. There you go. Get her <laughs> get her a fire so she can so she doesn't have to go into the library and climb up the ridiculously long ladders to get the book. <laughs> okay, um, so. What are you watching now as far as TV shows that you that is, is your go-to right now, either that you watch live or that you uh, DVR it? My go-to? Oh, man, yeah. I have to watch. I, I It's funny. I just made a list this week of all the TV that I'm behind on because like, that's a dumb thing. Sometimes I'm like, this is my job. Why didn't I tell my teenage self to practice watching more television? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> um, you know what? I recently finished The Good Place. It's off air right now, but that was a really unexpected, smart, 
a show that I just adored. Awesome. Uh, but choose a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, not that one. That's, you happen to pick the one. Like, that, 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 that is the first one that we've ever you gotten where me. we don't watch. That's <laughs> literally like, the only time that's ever happened. We each other. I'm like, Who is, what is that? What is this? We've this never got show. we've never gotten stumped on that. No. You stumped us on the final question. Yes. Okay. Let me. Uh, one that I that I adore and and just keep going back to. I write about it, but I'd watch it anyway. Supernatural. Oh, good one. Good one. So okay. So so if if Dean didn't have the have the uh, what is it the Chrysler the what's the black the Impala. Yeah, the Impala, right. If he didn't have the Impala, what kind of transportation would he choose if he had to pick uh, Kit, Airwolf, or Streethawk? I don't know those cars. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're even. (laughs) Yes. I've heard of Kit. Uh, Kit's from Knight Rider, so that's the the self-driving car. Airwolf is the helicopter, helicopter, and Streethawk was a a motorcycle. Oh, man, that's Um, hard, because Dean would not be about a self-driving car, but he couldn't take... I don't think the other ones would be up his alley either. Well, how about this? What if Dean was on Friends? Who would he be dating? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rachel. Ooh. Ooh. And why why do you think Rachel? I think she has, like, the, the... best personality to put up with him. <laughs> no, actually, that's a good point. I don't think, I think Monica wouldn't, uh, she's a control freak, which I'm not dissing because I'm a control freak too. I don't think he would, that would mesh. I think Phoebe would be a little too weird for him. So. Well, yeah, too flighty. Okay. Yeah. Top, okay, last one of the big finish. Top three movies of all time. Empire Strikes Back. Nice. Oh. Uh, um, do you have to count single movies, or can you count, like, trilogies? Um, well, The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions was basically one movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. Empire Strikes Back, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Beautiful. Um, man. Well, I'm just going to go with a movie I really love for the third one, which may not be one of the greatest, but it is to me, is Tombstone. Oh, I love oh, that I movie. Like that. I'll be your yeah. Huckleberry. That, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, it that. has no historical value whatsoever, <laughs> but it's freaking it is, awesome. It is goddamn entertaining. Yeah, they yes. when, when the White Earp came out because because you know Hollywood always does the two movies that are the same. Armageddon. Uh, yeah, so impact. Tombstone came out around the same time as White Earp. Tombstone had like no historical value other than the names. And places, and White Herb tried to stay more historical, and nobody went to go see that movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was Kevin Costner in that. No, yes. no, no. It was uh, uh, Dennis, Dennis Quaid, Quaid played uh, played Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday. Who the hell played White Herb? It might have been Kevin Costner. Maybe I don't know, but nobody see, went to go see, see it. We didn't see it either, so we don't. So, care. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you so much, Amy. So normally we we give away uh, something to our guests uh, being interviewed, but because of logistics, you know, we're not right right next to you or in front of you to give you something tangible. Uh, But however, if you check your email right now, we did uh, just send you something. Oh, boy. Let's see. This is very exciting. It is uh, it is an email from a Russian czar asking for money. <laughs> Wait a minute! It's in no way connected and to our once, account. And once it, the money clears at the Virgin Islands, we get it. <laughs> well, I have to think about that one. Okay, I have an email. It is it is thinking about loading. Oh, there we go. Okay, and it'll come back. You don't know there are no viruses. They're trustworthy. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm one of like five people in the world that still use Yahoo Mail. Okay, okay. Oh, this looks very exciting. Oh boy, oh, it's a drawing. <laughs> okay, so de- oh, so describe I it. Uh, describe what it looks like. Describe it. Okay, so it's a girl who I assume is me with Tagruton Ahsoka headtails and lightsabers and an R2D2 skirt. Yes. So yeah, if you haven't. So if you if you notice our logo, like we we do stick figures, and that's one of our things that we do for. Um, just for fun, like when we were trying to come up with a logo for our I podcast. Your, I think your ride's there. Andy. I was going to say, they're coming to get me. Uber, Uber, your Uber's arrived. Um, <laughs> we can't draw, so I thought it would be funny just to like 
do stick figures with the most ridiculous thing. And that's why our logo is the way we have it. And one of the things we, we have is, is making stick figures for some guests. You're the second person to actually have <gasps> an official stick figure drawing oh, for Chew on This. Yes. I love it. It's Thank an official, you. official Chew on This stick figure that is in your likeness. I love it. Thank you. I feel very honored. <laughs> I, I'm like, now I want an animator. She's so cute. Oh, wait, you can do that? Yeah, if if somebody can do that for you, send it to us. That'd be pretty sick. Can you get Pablo to get somebody from ILM (laughs) to animate that for you? Get Dave Filoni on the phone. I have a favor. (laughs) It won't take too much of your time. What happens in Rebels? Never mind. It's no big deal. Just do this stick figure for me. If you could just animate what's going to happen. (laughs) Forget the Kenobi and Maul fight right now. We need to take care of this. This yeah. is important. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Kenobi. Yeah, Filoni, stop what you're doing right now and animate this, this stick figure drawing. It's more important. Priorities, man. <laughs> exactly. Amy, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. We really appreciate your time and, and all your insight and everything. Um any last words, Vic? No. Uh, thank you again for you know just reiterating what BJ said about and putting uh, up with your us. Time. Yeah, our shenanigans. <laughs> no shenanigans. Thank you both for having me. It was fun. <laughs>